Good day to all of our listeners out there. You are tuning into a cup of Joe and Jimmy. I am your host, Joe Nugent, and joined, as always, by my good brother, Jimmy. Jimmy, how's your week been? Uh, it's been a good week, Joe. Good. I haven't seen you a lot this week. Yeah, I've just been just been working. Of course, you actually don't work. No, no, but I work in school. Okay, excellent. And we are also joined with a guy named Luke Ebsmeyer. Guys, the show is called A Cup of Joe and Jimmy. That doesn't mean that Luke is just a guest every week. No, he is part of the show. If you actually read our bio on Twitter at A Cup of J and J, you would uh you'd pick up on that. But anyway, Luke Ebsmeyer. Luke, how are you? What's up, guys? Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's good to have yeah. you back. You're on the show. You There's... own you own thirty percent of the company. Yes. Um. So, guys, this is episode three. If you've been tuning in to the first two weeks, welcome back. If this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy it. Um, We've got a good show for you guys today. We are wrapping up, unfortunately, the Winter Olympics. It is over, but we're going to go ahead and uh, have one more little segment on that. Um, And then we're going to talk about the NCAA scandal and the FBI investigation that is ongoing and we are also going to have a special guest on the show today who is not Luke. Remember, he is part of the show. This is actual guest Foster Griffin, who uh, was the first round pick in 2014 by the Kansas City Royals. He's going to join us to talk a little spring training baseball and the upcoming season. Um, so, yeah, that's the show we got. Oh, and Sports Trivia is back this week. Two new guests. You'll find out who they are a little bit later. But let's get this thing going. that song sound better every single week all right guys we are about to get started here with a little what burns my biscuits uh if you're new to the show the goal for this segment is one of us is going to go on a little bit of a rant and hopefully it gets your blood pumping gets your hearts racing and gets your mind your brain turning a little bit now this uh segment might not be sports related it might be We, unless we're sharing, we have no idea what it's going to be about. This week, Luke Ebsmeyer has the segment. Uh, Luke, who is also part of the show. Luke is part of the show. That's the last time we're going to say it, just to be clear. Uh, Luke, what burns your biscuits? Thanks, guys. First off, I'm going to try and tread lightly here. I don't want to offend anybody, but this is a subject that has perplexed me for quite some time. It gets me a little emotional, to be honest with you. So bear with me. Folks, why is it when I'm in line at Publix trying to get my hands on a nice chicken tender sub, I get stuck behind someone ordering for seven other people? For the life of me, I have never understood why people have totally neglected using online ordering. Publix specifically pays an employee to deal with large orders, but you want to make us wait in agony for the one thing we have been craving all day. This doesn't just apply to Publix. 
I can't tell you how many times I've been at Chipotle and someone in front of me whips out their mm. phone, puts in a never-ending order for 12 burrito bowls. Preach. Technology is a great thing. Can we all make a vow to take advantage of it? Online ordering really is a thing of beauty. Let's use it, people. It would save a lot of us a great deal of pain. Thank you. I really appreciate your your honesty there. Luke, that was beautiful. Um, I'm with you. Man, am I with you. I cannot tell you how frustrating it is. And usually, usually the people that are like that, not only do they not know how to order online, they also have no clue how to order in person. It, if you go to Chipotle and you read the menu, You've you already lost. need to leave. Okay? Please do not read the menu or ask, can I try something or what is this? This is Chipotle. The Chipotle menu is very confusing, though. If chicken tender subs are on sale at Publix... Order online. Don't order seven chicken tender subs for your family. It's rude. I agree with you on many fronts, but I am going to play devil's advocate here. When you order online, the tender and care that is put in to making that food, when you're staring at them and the pressure's on them to make you a good sub or a good burrito bowl or whatever they're, you pre-ordered, that pressure's there. That makes them make it better. If you're there in front of them and staring, I nine times out of ten, you're going to have a better bowl than if you pre-ordered. I disagree with you a little bit. I've, I've actually watched the uh, online order maker, whatever you want to call them, diligently put in the effort it takes to make a, a really delicious sub, and I, I respect them for it. So I, I just don't understand why people don't take advantage of that. Yeah. Luke, thank you for... That little that little tidbit that was excellent, and uh, I'm on your side. Jimmy has his own thoughts as he always does. And all right, well, we're gonna get into the real sports talk, starting with for the final time, Winter Olympics. I think everyone, including us, is maybe a little bit ready for these Olympic segments to be done. Yeah, but we're gonna do it anyways. Yeah, we're gonna do it, and we are going to start with. Women's hockey, they won gold. That's the big news. Joe, um, I know it's been a, a rough, rough couple days since women took gold in hockey. There's been a couple death threats to the house. Um, a lot of people angry out there. What, what do you have to say in response to some of the flack that you've gotten? There have not been death threats. Remember, the Florida Gators lost a, a head coach because he made up the fact that they had death threats against them. I think there is other reasons they wanted him gone. No death threats here. But, yeah, Luke tweeted that out, saying that I have um, some explaining to do or something like that. And, guys, it's it's been a little hurtful to see the response against me. I'm your friend on Twitter. One of our most favorited tweets, I might add. Yeah, a lot of likes on that tweet. What's up with the hostility? People are eager to not like you. It seems that way. But the thing is, is if you guys tuned in last week, that was my what to watch for was women's hockey. I apologize last week. I I was on their side this week. So really, at the end of the day, I think I was right. Like, I called it. You did say you thought Canada was going to win. I just wanted to use the accent. That's the only reason I said Canada. 
let's get into actually what happened in the game. So it was incredible. Uh, U.S. women's hockey finally won. I was unaware that we're pretty much always in the championship with Canada, but we can just never beat them. That was something I kind of learned on my own. But uh, what were you guys' thoughts on the game? I actually stayed up to watch this game. Um, I thought of it was one of the more amazing sports moments in American history. But would you say that people pretend like they really care when someone win like if USA wins gold in something, do you feel like people just feel like they have to care? Yes. Is it okay to say that the U that I don't care if they won gold? Is it can I say that? I don't think so. I, I do care. I care, but what if I said that? People would be mad. Why? I think I think when it when a team wins gold or like a individual for the USA wins gold, yeah, you get excited for a little bit because it's your country. Yeah, and the feeling does wear off pretty quick. They're like, all right, I'm the same person. Let me, let me go on with my day. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, they won it in a shootout. That was really cool to see. And I just think the response after and United States celebrating as a country together was, it was exciting. Uh, and then also the men's curling team won gold. That was only their second medal in history. So there was... There's a lot of history being made at the Winter Olympics this year. You seem you seem pretty eager to get off this women's hockey topic. Yeah, it's just it's it's brought me a lot of pain this Olympics. We we've gotten some flack from from some uh, listeners about not talking about hockey because it is uh, we do have a hockey stick in the mug. I wanted to let you know that logo uh, I made and the hockey sticks in there because I kind of ran out of room or I needed to fill something up in that space. But we are going to talk about hockey, but. Those those sports balls have no indication of what we're actually going to talk about. The hockey is going to come, especially when Stanley finds his cup, and the hockey will be here. <laughs> but back to curling, um, this was the final play of the game. I'm going to read it out to you of the curling matchup, and please tell me, tweet at us if this makes sense to you. Schuster converted a double takeout for a five-ender in the eighth to essentially clinch the win. It was in the 8th? I believe so. The, uh, the, the bottom of the 8th. I thought it was the 7th. No, I have no idea what that means. I, I think I'm going to run this poll uh, later this week, but I wanted to ask you guys, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much athleticism does a person need to be an excellent curler? Well, listen, we, we won this curling tournament, and no one doped. So I'm, I'm that, proud of that. That is a plus. No steroids. I think curling is a lot like NFL refereeing where the people are just jacked because people are looking at them and watching them. Do you need to be jacked to be an NFL referee? No. Do you need to be jacked to be a curler? No. But they look good. Speaking of doping, stop me if you've heard this one before. Another Russian athlete caught for doping. This one's actually a kind of a funny story. I'm going to read this off to you guys. I'm proud of this guy. I mean, it's actually a woman. Uh, wow. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to try and pronounce his name like I did last week. but uh, Doping knows no gender. It's a, uh, it's a woman bobsledder. Her name is um, Nadezda. She was a bobsledder? Sergiva. I feel like that's even less significant of needing to dope than curling. She is the pilot of the two-woman bobsled team representing the Olympic athletes from Russia. And she wore a t-shirt um, while she was in Pyeongchang. That read, I don't do doping. That's a really good way to get caught. 
And seemingly a couple days later, she was uh, caught for doping. I I said it I said it last week. I'll say it again. In order to be a true Russian, you gotta dope. It's I like salute her. It's like walking into a store with a shirt that says, "I'm not gonna shoplift." Now everyone's looking at you, and they're expecting you to shoplift. Yeah, that. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> they they ended up coming in 12, so I'm not sure what the uh, competitive advantage was there either. Yeah, but all in all, it was a very good accomplishment by U.S. men's curling. It was the first ever gold medal in the history of the curling uh, for U.S. men's. And I think the sole reason that they did get gold is because Mr. T called them before the match and gave them a pep talk. I can't think of a more random person to call the curling team to give them a pep talk, but he did. Mr. T was an Olympic curler. Was he? No. Okay, gosh. Um, <laughs> speaking, though, of finishing gold, Luke mentioned the Russian team in um, bobsledding finishing 12th. Canada finished in second in hockey. Would you rather be a Canadian, Joe? Please, Jimmy, let me finish. I love my country. Canada finished second in hockey. And one of the players, Jocelyn LaRock, proceeded to take off her silver medal. What do you would you guys have done that? Was that a, was that a petty thing to do, or was that her saying, "We're Canada. We know we're the best at hockey. This this is the worst." I was kind of okay with it because you put so much work into that and if you're a Canadian if you're a woman's Canadian hockey player you're expected to get that gold just because of the success that they've had but the the reason I'm not a huge fan of all of it is because she actually backtracked on that and said like she apologized for doing that and she shouldn't have done that and I was like no like stick with your guns stick with what you did show like your competitive fire don't like backtrack on that because now you're like you're recognizing that it's a bad thing yeah good point um Luke, what'd you think about her taking off that silver medal? Uh, out of disrespect for the Olympic rings, I thought it was a little uncalled for, but I understand. I mean, you're there to win gold. There's silver around your neck. It's okay to be disappointed about that and show a little emotion that you care. Well, enjoy that silver, Canada, because USA is bathing in gold, at least in women's hockey, that is. I am a proud women's hockey American. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that means. <laughs> um, all right. Well, the Winter Olympics has come and gone. Goodbye to Pyeongchang. And hello, Summer Olympics in two years. Uh, get excited about that. When we are doing this podcast in two years, we will we'll be talking about it. And I hope you guys will still be listening. This next segment brought to you by Rogaine. Rogaine, growing hair, the only place men want it. Rogaine. Once again, these are not actual sponsorships. It is now time to talk about the biggest breaking news that happened this week, and that was in NCAA men's basketball with the uh, FBI investigation that discovered a lot of impermissible benefits um, happening between coaches, players, agents, etc. Uh, guys, I have I have some of the big uh, kind of storylines from it that. I'll read out to you. Um, Dennis Smith, who ended up playing at North Carolina State in 2016, received $43,500 um, wow. from an ASM agent. Isaiah Whitehead, who at the time was a freshman at Seton Hall, 
received $26,000, according to FBI documents, from a uh, another ASM agent, but later left that agency for Rock Nation. Tim Quarterman, who was at the time a junior at LSU, received at least $16,000, according to documents. Diamond Stone, who at the time was a freshman at Maryland, received $14,000. A listing that refers to and quote Bam, who ended up being Idris Adebayo, received $12,000. And there's a one reference saying he could have received up to $36,000. And finally, Markel Fultz, who went on to play at Washington, who was number one pick in the 2017 draft, received $10,000, according to documents. How does this happen, you guys? Is this really breaking news? Yeah. Good point. I think something like this, I feel like every sports announcer's tried to act surprised, but it's just kind of, um, would it be called white elephant in the room? Or not white elephant, that's just a, elephant uh, in the room. That's, that, a, that's a Christmas game. A Christmas game, yeah. <laughs> the elephant in the room uh, that no one really wants to talk about that college players receive impermissible benefits heavily and it's just a matter of time that because if you guys don't know the background there's an FBI investigation that went into Adidas uh, providing college players with money and deals so that they would sign with Adidas once they got to the NBA and so that started this whole investigation that's why they've able to get these documents that the NCAA probably wouldn't have been able to get uh, without the FBI's help or they would have just been complacent about it. But it's very, it's, I didn't know it was this big. I knew it happened, but I mean, like, you're talking about $40,000 to some players. Like, that is an unbelievable amount of money. And it's not just in basketball. It's probably more prevalent in football. Yeah, and also don't forget about Arizona's head coach, Sean Miller, who gave, I think, $100,000, they're saying, to a single player that was caught on a... I think he tried to. Yeah, he was wiretapped. He was wiretapped. But this starts at... This doesn't start at the collegiate level. I mean, this goes all the way into AAU basketball early on in these guys' high school careers when they're just trying to funnel these players in. Yeah, it happened with Miami wanting... They, they were trying to get a recruit in high school to... They wanted him to go to Miami to sign with Adidas. Like this, this doesn't just start happening here. This is happening all the way down to when these players are kids. Um, so what needs to change in basketball is, is the answer pay these players. Look, I think all this probe gives us really is an Excel spreadsheet of names and numbers. We've known this is happening all over for quite some time now. I think what this does provide us is a fork in the road, or rather it provides the NCAA. I think they're going to have to either start vacating wins constantly, which is no fun. It does, it does nothing, I don't think. Or just pay the student-athletes. I, I, I think those are the two choices right now. Yeah, I think I don't think you're going to see a lot of action by the NCAA because they're still going to want to hold on to their baby that is college basketball, and they're not just going to want to blow it up. Um, and ruin March Madness for everyone. But, Joe, you brought up a good question earlier, and I'll just kind of repeat it. Even though we know that these teams are cheating, we know teams are cheating in football, and they just don't get caught. We know 
teams are cheating in basketball that some have gotten caught, and there's still other teams out there that haven't gotten caught that are probably sitting at home sweating, hoping that no documents come out. But knowing that we know that they cheat, why do we still watch these games? Uh, why not? I mean, we – I say it all the time. If Sometimes it's just because I'm bitter, but if I see a big recruit – who I think is going to one school, he ends up flipping last minute to another. My first thought that comes through my mind is, oh, they paid him. They paid him big, but I still watch. I, I don't, like, I know the cheating's going on. I don't know who's doing it, when they're doing it, but I'm still going to tune in. Nothing about, I'm still going to tune in to March Madness, and if I'm looking at these teams and thinking, well, they might be paying who and who, I'm still going to watch. And Yeah, but I mean, so we all went to UCF, okay? UCF, probably doesn't have the money in the program, the boosters, is able to offer these players what these bigger schools are are able to offer. So that's just going to keep everything lopsided, and it doesn't give a fair chance. Now, yeah, I won't get into should should uh, college players be paid, because I think if there's a good system that could be put into place, yeah, I, I, I think so. But this isn't about that. The rules are you can't do this. And the power is being abused, and it's hurting schools like a UCF, it's even hurting schools like even like a Miami that can't they yeah they, they have big boosters but they can't you, they, they're not just offering out 50 grand to 100 grand to recruits they can't do that but Miami was part of this Miami did the same thing Miami can do this no that was Adidas, Adidas. that was, uh, that was Adidas doing that yeah, yeah but it's I'm a different saying, kind of scandal but it's still it's still players getting paid illegally yeah but I'm saying these numbers right now those that's straight boosters just getting them to the school Y'all were listen, listening off some of the numbers there. Hundred thousand. Sean Miller tried to pay pay a player. I think you said forty thousand or sixty thousand elsewhere. There's a couple numbers in that report where you know Wendell Carter from Duke, he he got twenty five bucks for a meal. Yeah, yeah. They they threw Duke and I think UNC in there just to get some clicks. There there was a player that got five hundred dollars for his mom to come see him play. I mean, I, there's got to be something they can do. That's that that's just not right in my opinion. Yeah, when it gets to stuff like that, and there's like a big reason, and I mean, and I'm happy for these families that, you know, they do need that money, and that, yeah, that money is going to help out that family if they don't have a lot of income, but unfortunately, rules are rules, and when you, when you let your child accept something like that, you're putting them up, you're making them vulnerable to these, these rules and sanctions that if they get caught, they're they're done. Luckily, Markel Fultz got out. He's already in the NBA. But these other college players are going to be ineligible and not going to be able to play just because they they got a few extra bucks. Do you think any of the head coaches know of smaller transactions such as that? Of course, they absolutely do. I think one of the biggest lies is when the coaches say that they had no idea. Oh, that of course the coaches know that some of these go through. And it's 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 very easy to sweep these things under the rug and pretend like they never happened. Now these bigger numbers, that that's a whole different story. But those smaller little transactions, I'm sure it's so easy for them to say like, yeah, we'll do that, we'll clear that up, and CAA will never catch it. But but this is turning into a federal thing. Like there could be arrests made, and that's the only. I yeah, I don't know about these new numbers. If there's like with with Arizona, I don't know if there's anything illegal technically it was illegal in the ncaa's eyes but not i don't think government laws so then what what's the answer for punishment for these teams because vacating wins 
That doesn't do anything. They they took away Louisville's national championship. Everyone in the sports world is still going to say Louisville won the national championship that year. I won't. And Reggie Bush won the Heisman. And Re- yes, and Reggie Bush won the Heisman. Jimmy, what do you mean you won't? Of course you will. They cheated. Jimmy, if that was Miami that won the national championship, you would be calling them national champions the rest of your life. Well, see, we Miami, us being Miami fans, we've we've been through some of the hardest allegations in college sports, but luckily we didn't have any national championships to vacate because we didn't cheat as well. But if they said, oh, those are being vacated, you would still say, no, we won that championship. I would say we did it unfair. Oh, please. Um, And then, so, yeah, so vacating wins, that doesn't work. And then punishing players on the team now that had nothing to do with this doesn't work as what would happen if you did something like the death penalty or something. So I don't know what the answer is to make this stop that will make everyone happy, but it's, it's corrupt. I mean, there's a lot of corruption. I mean, the, the kids that accept these tens of thousands of dollars, one, they should, they should realize what they're doing to their team. And then two, they shouldn't be allowed to play in the NCAA again. I I think think that's enough of a punishment. I think people in America are becoming more okay with things like this because the NCAA is profiting close to $100 billion. They're the biggest fraud of them all. And the athletes don't get, they don't get any, any money out of it. I mean, what, what other business in America is like that? Yeah, like I said, I'm not, I'm not condoning the NCAA's rules. I'm saying just because those are the rules and they're going into college sports realizing that those are the rules and they're blatantly going against them and cheating. Yeah, I, I don't know. The whole thing... It is corrupt. There's a lot of fraud from both sides going on. But I'm still going to watch March Madness and enjoy it. And yeah, if the player hits a three-pointer and gets a million bucks for it, nice shot. Yeah, we got dark and serious there really quick. I'm yeah. glad, glad you put that joke in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We're going to go ahead and move on then. Um, But before we move on, we have a sponsorship that this next segment is brought to you by... Tide Pods. Mm-mm. These taste good for my clothes. Tide Pods. Jimmy, are we um, able to get Foster on the phone here soon? Yeah, so uh, we're going to have Foster Griffin on the phone with us. It'll be our first ever interview on a Cup of Joe and Jimmy podcast, which is exciting. Uh, Foster was drafted in 2014 in the first round by the Kansas City Royals. He has worked his way up through the minors, uh, finished last season in the A. Probably looks to uh, start this season in the AAA for the Kansas City Royals. He was recently named the 2017 Minor League Pitcher of the Year for the Royals, which is an amazing accomplishment. Uh, We grew up playing baseball with him, uh, grew up being friends with him, went through school with him, so we're super excited to have him on the podcast right now. Foster, are you there? Yeah, I'm I'm here. All right, cool. Um, So I know that you had a game today. How did you pitch? I did. Uh, we played the athletics. It went well. Uh, I only got in <clears throat> one inning just because everybody's kind of getting, everybody's got to get their innings in. So there's a lot of guys that are trying to build up innings, but uh went well. I uh, gave up one hit and no runs. So it was a pretty good first outing. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. That's awesome. Um, so Foster, we're going to jump into the set of questions that we have for you. First question is, uh, on this show, like we're all sports fans growing up playing sports. Our listeners are sports fans and grew up playing. Um, and everyone's dream is to one day be drafted in the first round of whatever their sport is. So walk me through 
what that experience was like being picked in the first round by the Kansas City Royals? Uh, it was it was awesome. I got to be there with um, <clears throat> with my family, and it was a pretty intense moment. I gotta say, um, you know, the draft. It's not just like, hey, we're picking you. Like, you know, take it or leave it. I mean, it's kind of just right. like a, a thing where uh, they called me. You know, it was physically watching the draft in, in my family room, and uh, it was like Kansas City's on the clock. They call me, like, hey, like, you know, we're gonna pick you here. Do you agree to the terms? You got like 30 seconds tops Jeez. before you need to answer. So I'm like 18 years old, you know sitting there and having to decide this huge life decision, um, whether to, to pass up the money and, and go to school, uh, told Miss where I was committed for college or to, uh, to do this route that I chose. And I, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's been an awesome experience and it's been, it's been a really fun ride so far. That's, that's incredible. <clears throat> um, so I also had hopes of being a first round pick in the major leagues Foster, I don't know if you remember this, but in Little League Baseball, you're bring this up. In, a, in Little League Baseball, I happened to be facing you, and I hit one off the wall. And I, I, yeah. I, I don't know if you remember that. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you use that as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know what word you're looking <laughs> for. Been motiva- it's as been motivation, yes. It's been motivation, yes. yeah. Uh-huh. And then I think it might have been maybe just a few weeks later, I was facing you. You were up to bat. I was pitching. You also hit one off the wall, but the wall oh. you hit it off of happened to be a neighborhood <laughs> wall well beyond the vicinity of the field. It was like a 300-foot oh bomb. Um, I do. I remember that. Okay, I'm glad you remember that. I'm glad you use his motivation. Um, but back to the series of questions here. Foster, I understand that you recently won the minor league pitcher of the year for the Royals. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that is. So what is what what's it been like as you've been progressing through the minors? What have been what have been some of the ups and downs of your journey through that trying to make it to the big stage? Uh it's been um not easy, uh, to say the least. Um, I've had uh, two really, really tough years, um, and then I had for, I had a really solid year last year. I think um, the years prior to last year, I was pitching way too uh, scared and giving the hitters way too much credit, if that makes sense. Like I was trying to pitch and nibble at corners, yeah, to try and get guys out, <laughs> and then I would end up falling behind in the count one zero, two zero, three one. You know, then I have to come down the center of the plate, and these professional hitters doesn't matter how hard you throw. If you throw it over the middle, they're going to hit it a long way. Yeah. So, last year I kind of just took the mental approach of, um, you know, these hitters sometimes get themselves out in, in batting practice, so I'm not going to give them too much credit. I'm going to go right after them and try and put them behind the count, and um, that approach worked pretty well. You know, I didn't change a whole lot in my arsenal as far as pitch wise. Um, I made them, you know, fine tuned them here and there, but. It was more just the the attack approach that I had going in going into last year, as opposed to years prior, that helped me with the uh, the good stride forward. Yeah, I, we could definitely see the improvement. You got asked. You're the only Royals player to be asked in the MLB Futures game this past year, which is really cool to see. Uh, yeah, our next question is: so uh, on the Royals prospects list, you're number ten, and the three pitchers that are in the top ten are eight, nine, and ten. So it's a lot of tight competition. Um, yeah, what do you see moving forward 
in the Royals organization uh, for this next season? Um, you know, uh, you can't predict the future, um, especially like last year, for for instance, a lot of things happened at the big league level for us as far as injuries. <clears throat> um, so, you know, that could very well happen again. You could be in a big league a lot quicker than you think. Um, so there's a lot of competition in our clubhouse right now, especially in spring training. We signed a lot of guys from other teams um, that have come in and are competing for a spot <clears throat> in the rotation and as well as the bullpen. Um, as for me, I don't really know exactly <clears throat> where I'll start. Um, I, w- I would like to think I would I would start in AAA and, um, you know, go there and just I can't do anything but, but compete and try and prove that I can I can be the next guy in the big leagues um, as far as the injury happened or anything like that. So, you know, that's the ultimate goal, you know, since I got drafted back in 2014 was – to get to the big league. So to see it so close and kind of just be knocking on the door is pretty cool. And, and, and to use that motivation as Joe was talking about to, uh, to get there is, you know, you're <laughs> so motivation. close so you can almost touch it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. That, yeah, that's really cool. It, uh, the process is like the process of major league, like minor leagues to major leagues is something that I think a lot of people don't know a lot about. So it's really cool to just get like a first, uh, first-hand perspective but then Luke no, has yeah. a question about a comparison that he uh he found okay uh yeah so <laughs> I was reading I was reading through an article that was on uh, royalsreview.com and uh it was written a couple weeks ago and at the back end of the article there's a quote and I'll read it out for you um it says some scouts have compared him to Cole Hamels um on the strength of his changeup, but the lack of elite velocity means he's more likely to be a solid mid to back of the rotation starter when he does arrive in a year or two. I, just, I was just curious on how something like that motivates you, especially the back end of the quote. Um, yeah, I mean, not to hate on like these guys that write all these reviews, but to use the analogy of, you know, a guy sitting in his mom's basement, you know, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like that. They're just kind of like people that are just like, Hey, what are people talking about here? I can write this. I'm an expert at this. Let me write, you know, right. I don't look at stuff like that as far as comparisons, as far as projections of when to get to the big leagues. Like these guys, they have no idea. Like they're, they're basing it off of where guys got drafted to put them in the prospect list, stuff like that as, as the guy that's like a late round draft pick and he's, you know, dominating minor leagues. He's yet, he's not a prospect because he wasn't drafted in a high round. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. So um, I don't look at a whole lot of stuff like that. I will say, like, compare that comparison to Cole Hamels has been made before. Um, as far as velocity goes, you know, he's kind of right. You know, I don't throw as hard as he does. But at the same time, like, I'm not the same pitcher as he. You know, that's the great thing about baseball is, like, so many people are different. Right. You know, so many people bring different stuff to the table. <laughs> as far as a pitching staff is concerned, you have your hard throwers and you have your lefties and you have your crafty lefties and you have your lefty specialists. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I could go on and on. So, you know, those blogs and reviews and stuff like that, I don't I don't look into it. I, I really don't even open my Twitter anymore during the season <laughs> just because there's all kinds of stuff like that going yeah. on. Yeah, and reading through the the Royals like prospects. So you have you have is it Skoglin or Skoglin? How do you say that? Uh Skoglin. Skoglin yeah. and you have Blue at eight uh-huh. and nine, and both of them say, Yeah, back rotation starter as well as you. So I'm like, well, you know, someone's going to have to be in in front of the rotation (laughs) at the same, like, okay. 
in the big leagues, you got 162 games, right? Right. And you have five starters. So right. each guy is going to be making like 30 starts. There's a back end of a rotation. Yeah, really there's no really make that much. So, you know what I mean? Like right. you're, you know, you're just as good as a number one guy. You still got to go out every fifth day and compete. And try I'll and happily be a back win end a game starter. for your. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're in the big leagues, you're the best of the best. So right. it doesn't really matter to me if I'm one or five, if I'm there and competing and trying to win some games, you know, it's, I don't really care. Yeah. Um, so Foster, my favorite team is the New York Yankees, and I'm sure you're aware of their recent acquisition of Giancarlo Stanton. Tell me, so they now have Stanton and Judge on the team. Who would you yeah. be more scared to face? Oh, geez, that's <laughs> that's not. Am I playing in Yankee Stadium at T-ball Park? That is correct. You're playing an 8 p.m. Oh. game in Yankee Stadium. Fan, crowds are fans are a little bit buzzed at this point. <laughs> I I mean, who am I more scared to face? Is that what you're saying? Scared. That's the word. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Judge, just because. No, actually, I'm gonna go Stanton because nope. Judge's Judge's swing and miss um, numbers last year were a lot higher than Stanton. He like what struck out how many games in a row? Yeah. He set that record for. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Stanton just based off of the. He played in Miami, which is a massive park, and he hit that many home runs. So him yeah, in New York is going to be – it's going to be even scarier. He could hit 60-plus easily. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to go Stanton. Cool, cool. So <laughs> what, what if I – Jimmy, you I, can say something else other than cool, cool. Hey, I have nothing to add. I'm terrified to face both of them. They'd, they'd probably both take my head off. Oh, I am too. Um, yeah, so our next question is – so I'm sure you've heard about like the idea of a pitch clock being thrown around in the majors. Um, I'm not sure if it's been implemented at all in the minors. I don't know how that whole works. But what are your thoughts on it? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Uh, would you like to see something changed with it? Are you familiar with it? So, yeah, we actually <clears> – <throat> last year they started that rule in AA. So I was, I was there last year. I had to deal with a pitch clock. Um, and stuff like that. So the rule is like in between innings, the guys gets a guy gets two minutes and five seconds to warm up. So if he's not on the mound with five seconds prior to that, it's an automatic ball. So oh. you start the count one to zero. But vice versa, if the batter's not in the box ready with five seconds, he gets a strike on him. So it's zero one. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and then in, and then in between pitches, um, it's I think you get 20, 25 seconds. But the thing is, it doesn't make actual sense. It's, they're trying to speed the game up as far as like <clears throat> a pitcher shaking off signs or whatever takes too long. Well, if the pitcher just steps off the rubber, the clock restarts anyways. Oh. So that that part didn't really do much. Right. The big part, the big change this year is we just had a meeting on this yesterday. Is the mound visits that Joe Torre implemented. So each team only gets six mound visits per game this year as far as the coach coming out and talking to the pitcher, the catcher coming and talking to the pitcher, the shortstop running in. Oh, some other infielders, too. We got a pick play on. Yep, anytime anybody leaves their position to go from their position to the pitcher's mound or if the pitcher walks to, you know, home plate to talk to the catcher, that counts as a mound visit. So in the playoffs last year, they showed us a video between – I don't remember what the teams were, but there were 60 – mound visits oh my so they're going God. from 60 to six. to six 
or six. Yeah. So they're yeah. So they're making a, a very drastic change. They're trying to speed up the game because I guess that's what everyone's complaining about. But you know, my opinion is a lot like I think Chris Archer came out with a big quote saying. I mean, if you don't like the game, don't watch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. baseball is in a spot, especially in the playoffs last year, where so many people were watching. They had, you know, record viewers and record attendance at games and stuff like that. Like, why try and change something that's working, you know? But right. Yeah, especially, it's, it's something we got to deal with, so. Yeah. Especially in the playoffs. Like, in the playoffs, I, I couldn't care less of how long the games are taking. Like, I'm all exactly. for if, if the pitches are so important. Each single pitch is so important. I'm all for doing everything. Exactly. Well, the yeah. consequence is even worse. So right. say you're you're in the ninth inning and you're mixed up with the catcher and you've already used nine or six mound visits and you have to call him out. Well, if he comes out to talk to you, the pitcher gets tossed. What? Tossed? It's not like yeah, a ball you, or strike. Yeah. It's a toss. No, no, no. You get an immediate ejection. So the difference between six or nine mound visits is that they get tossed. Six or seven mound visits. Jeez. So if, you, if you've already used six mound visits... Okay, and then you step off, or like you you go talk to the catcher. The catcher comes and talks to you. The third baseman comes and talk. Whoever initiates coming to talk after you've already had six mound visits gets immediately ejected from the game. Well, that is uh, so. That's gonna be so it's you're gonna not be a huge over here. thing. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. You know, not that Joe Torrey's. He might. He might listen to this podcast. But, <laughs> I think he. You is. know, you know Tiger Woods <laughs> listens. That was breaking news. That's last what week. I heard. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah last week. All right, but, Foster. Um, uh, that's we have just my thing. We have one final question for you, and this is not baseball related. But if you had, if it's not that bad, yeah. If if you had to enter one winter Olympic sport, and you're taking safety and country pride into play, what would you enter? I don't know if you heard, but Jimmy said he would enter the luge. luge. Yeah, not the luge. You would would die. So go ahead. Um, Are you one of the voters? Oh wait, no, you don't do Twitter. Oh. All right, what's your answer? That's a tough one. Um, I was watching one the other day that I think – I mean, I would probably not be able to finish, but I think the safest one I could do is that – what is it, like the – where they shoot the little pellet gun and do the long skiing, like where they're like – it's just endurance test kind of? Yes. uh, You you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what it's called. Cross-country skiing? No, no, not cross-country. Yeah, no, it's not cross-country, but it's like they had the little gun, they shoot like – I don't know. I know I'll exactly to, what you're talking about. It's worth a Google. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have the stack We should probably be it. more prepared. We, we should. <laughs> Luke's Googling it right now. Uh, we do this a lot. Okay. Uh, the, ac- <laughs> the accurate term is biathlon. Biathlon. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So I think I would I would somewhat survive that. Yeah. Um, Unless you shoot someone. I might collapse. Yeah, well, you're shooting at a target. But, yeah, you're not um, killing other people. <laughs> it's not just like combat, but... Um, yeah, I think that would be the one where I would most likely come out alive in, so I would have to choose that one. Very good. Well, Foster, we appreciate the time, and best of luck to you as spring training uh, is just getting started up here, and then as you're going to start your regular season. We wish you all the best, and um, continue to use the motivation of me hitting it off the wall against you. I will. I'm very, I think about it every day. I'm I very similar to Aaron Judge and John Carlos Dan. <laughs> No doubt. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Foster. All right. See ya. See you, bud. This next segment is brought to you by Arnold Palmer. I don't love sweet tea. I don't love lemonade, but put them together and you have a drink of the gods. Arnold Palmer. Um, okay, guys. It is here, the sports trivia segment. We have with us my girlfriend and also a friend, 
Lindsay Williams. Lindsay, say hello to the crowd. Hello, everyone. And we also have Jimmy's girlfriend, who is also his friend, Mackenzie McNeil. Hello there. Oh, hit the mic there. She is <laughs> pretty hot. Yeah, she just hit the mic. She's It's nervous, a lot of nerves. Um, all right, sports trivia time. Mackenzie, you will go first. Um, you already went into a separate room to answer these questions without any help, no cell phones, no internet, nothing. And we now have your answers here. And so we're going to ask the questions, and you're going to go ahead and speak into the microphone without hitting your head of what you put. Jimmy, go ahead and start us off. First question, Mackenzie. What is the ball and pool that you cannot hit in before the others are gone? Boys, that would be called the eight ball. Bingo. Starting off strong. Good job. I think we're going to go five for five here. Yeah, I don't think so. Number two. Name one pitch in baseball. Outfielder. Uh, what? Oh god. Pitch. Not a position. No, here's the here's the bad part. She asked me, she goes, What do you mean by pitch? I said, uh, a pitch that the, the pitcher throws in the baseball game. So you already had a different position. I already explained it to you that it was something the pitcher throws. And you said outfielder. Okay. We're okay. One for two. And before we go on, just real quick, again, we did this last week, but the purpose of this segment is Lindsay and Mackenzie both asked if they could be on the show. And we're here to try to see if they know enough sports to be able to be on this show. I don't think I know a lot of sports, but um, I, I know more more than that. So we're going to keep going. Yeah, I'm really glad you're able to clarify that as as I think these answers are about to get progressively worse. Mackenzie. The best team in the NBA is the Warriors. Name me their location. California. So give me the whole team's name, please. Is that half a point? Um, the the Golden Co- the Golden State Warriors. Oh my gosh! You Wait, wrote, where did that come from? You you, you, you put wrote California. California. You wrote California, but then you just gave us the doggone right answer well you see i just it just took me a little longer to come up with it that's all while i was gone did you look it up i promise i promise i don't care that much i think luke told her i no he did not again i don't care that much we don't need to get aggressive we're just in here having fun getting a little hostile in here well i i didn't think you had that one but okay golden state warriors good job half a point yeah half a point Speaking of points, how many points is a half-court shot worth in basketball? Six. Whoa! That is not correct. I'm going to start shooting more of those. Yeah, I'm just going to start chucking them up, and they're worth double. Uh, no, Mackenzie. I know they talked about um, lengthening the three-point line, but that that's still going to be three points. It's still going to be three points. Uh, you cannot get more than three points in basketball, no matter how far back you would like to shoot teams down 10 points let's go ahead and hit a full quarter for the win yeah yeah wow okay um so we're on we're on the topic of basketball still last question mckenzie and i really i really want this one to be right for our relationship oh boy what nba team did michael jordan play for listen i'm sorry 
but I said the heat, and I know that's not right, but that's all I could come up with. First of all, don't whisper into the mic. Second, it is the Chicago Bulls, um, the most historic basketball player in the history of our time, played for the Chicago Bulls. He also played for the Washington Wizards. He could have named anything. Yeah, the, the Wizards was a little more of a depressing run for him, but the Bulls is what we were looking for. Wow. That's disappointing. The great, the GOAT. Mackenzie McNeil, I, I wish thank, you, you, thank you for playing. Thank you for being a good sport. You proved to us that maybe you don't know everything, but you know enough to be on this show, and uh, we just really appreciate it. The 8-ball one was good, and the Golden State one was good. Thank you very much. I love you. Ew, ew. Oh, boo. Sorry, guys. All right. These next set of questions were written up by Luke Ebsmeyer, who, for the final time, is an actual member of this show, not a guest. So these questions are a little bit more difficult because Lindsay has grown up in a sports family, so she's been around it a little bit more than um, Mackenzie has. So we're going to go ahead and see... What is up here? Lindsay, are you ready for this? I'm ready. And um, once again, speaking of. Oh, sorry. Sorry. But you guys had to say that I did really good on the first one. So that's why you had to give me a second one. Boo. All right, here we go. <laughs> I tried to start her off with an easy one. But... A nice, easy one. Name the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Pamalu. Pamalu. Yeah, not only is that not the quarterback, but it is not the person you're referencing. Uh, are you thinking of Troy Palamalu? Um, I'm thinking of the guy with the really long black hair. Yes, it yes. was not the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Have you ever seen him drop back and throw a pass in an NFL game? <laughs> Troy Palamalu. Yeah, Troy Palamalu is on commercials, but this guy's also on commercials. Aaron Rodgers oh. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now we all know. Sorry. <laughs> Apology not accepted. Question number two. Name one NHL team. I threw this one in there for all the hockey lovers. The Maple Syrups. Uh, <laughs> that If I was ever on a team that was named the Maple Syrups, I would change sports and probably change my name. Yeah. Lindsay, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you were thinking the Maple Leaves. <laughs> Yes, that would be correct. <laughs> okay, yeah. Not the maple syrups. No, nothing more intimidating than the, the maple <laughs> syrups coming in. <laughs> okay, well, other than me being hungry, I am deeply disturbed by these answers. Um, Lindsay, including offense and defense, how many total players are on the field in football? Folks, before she answers this, her father was a... Um, a legendary fullback for the Florida State Seminoles. Lindsay has grown up living and breathing football. Lindsay, your answer. 16. 16. It's a pretty empty field. Can you name how many players are on the field just for the offense? Offense. On one side of the ball. Everyone, keep in mind also her brother is a tight end for the Clemson Tigers. This might just be a math issue, but we'll... Let's you, find out. you see, I'm having some issues um, knowing, remembering all the positions at this time. Can you give us a number? Just offense. Seven. 
Uh, we're going down. That so was not, le- that was not the direction. There's now we less to go. players on offense than there is defense. There's seven players, according to Lindsay, there's seven players on offense, nine players on defense. Lindsay, there's 11 on each side for a total of 22 players on the field. But and your brother and father were one of them. I'm sorry. She, she apologizes. Moving on. We are 0 for 3. Number four, how many steps is a traveling violation in basketball? Two. That's a, that's a pretty tough game out there. Just got to dribble all the way on up to the hoop, I guess. Sounds like a good Euro step to me, and those are perfectly legal. The correct answer is three, Lindsay, not uh. two. Two is legal. That's okay. Um, she was thinking of the NBA, I think. I don't think she was thinking of anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Last question. We are 0 for 4. <laughs> what is it called when a football player legally tosses the ball backwards in the field of play? Um, this happened to Miami. Correct. In the Duke game? Yes. Yes. One of the greatest this uh, did happen. plays in the history of college football. But what, what was it called? What was your answer? Back passing, please. Please and no, nope. Backpassing, like for backpacking. Five. I mean, no. You, it's yeah, like going on a hike with your football friends. <laughs> no, yeah, it's um, we're thinking lateral here, or just give me toss. I, I said it in the question. Backwards pass, even. <laughs> yeah, the, the backwards pass. It's in the question. Yeah, Luke just informed. The trick question. But backpassing, backpassing. is not what we're looking for. Um. Lindsay, thank you also for competing in this. This was a little bit, these were a difficult, well, more difficult set of questions, but you went 0 for 5. So Mackenzie McNeil wins this round. Mackenzie, what do you have to say? Personally, this is unexpected because Lindsay is more knowledgeable in this field, and I feel that um, it's an unfair, I feel like this is unfair. I feel like my best friend deserves thank you, the McKenzie. crown. You're welcome. Well, Lindsay went four for five in the questions that you were given, Mackenzie, as I'm reviewing her answers. So I appreciate the honesty, and you are correct. Hey, I'm all about the humility, you know? Next week, we have former uh, Miami Heat player Michael Jordan. He's going to catch a bat. He's going to catch a hockey game of the uh, Toronto Maple Syrups. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I'm not trying to throw you an outfielder here, but. Uh, I think uh, I think we should continue this segment on, and yeah, you know who you know who actually throws a good outfielder what? is uh, Troy Pamalu for the quarterback Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah, he's got a real good arm. Aaron Rodgers throws a great back pass. <laughs> oh man, I love it when they back pass. <laughs> All right, guys, that is it for our sports trivia. This will be a segment that we will do again, and. Uh, Hopefully, we will have more of Lindsay McKenzie on the show. They were great. Thank you. Please leave our studio and tell my mom to hurry up with dinner. I'm starving in here. Uh, All right, guys. That is it. That's our show. Um, Hope you enjoyed it. And as always, follow us on A Cup of J&J. Interact with us. We'll be running some polls. Tell your friends about us. Review us. Do anything to get our name out there, good or bad. Yeah, we're on iTunes, Google Play soundcloud trying to get us on stitcher or literally any other podcast app that pulls apps from itunes and stuff we're on there 
pretty sure we're going to be on ESPN next week. Yes. And yeah, Tiger Tiger's probably going to be a guest soon. Yes. Um, all right. That's it for the show. You guys have a great week. Peace. See ya. See ya. Woo!